0: Hello everyone, welcome to the first episode of Maritime Deluxe, a podcast where Maritimers can share their stories. I'm your host, Billy Cole, a fourth-year journalism student at St. Thomas University. Today's episode features Tasia McKenna, the commissioner of the Maritime Women's Basketball Association. From topics such as the league's startup to what the league will use its platform for, I hope you enjoy. Hello. Hello. How are you?
1: Great. I just, uh, got back from training one of our athletes. So I'm certainly not in my tip top shape for uh, an interview, but (laughs) I'm going to get her done.
0: (laughs) Good. You said you were training other athletes?
1: Yeah. So I, with my my work at basketball in Nova Scotia, we have a program called ignite. So we have four high performance athletes in it. and, And I train, um, Samantha Russell, who's off to Acadia next year. So I train her every Monday, Wednesday and Friday morning at, uh, at eight and then we have three down in um the valley here in nova scotia so braden McVicker, kai McVicker, and lauren Hainstock. so okay action-packed <laughs> yeah
0: geez yeah. so you're really into uh your whole career is like around basketball
1: yeah Every, everything <laughs> i do is around basketball which is it's pretty pretty neat i won't lie yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. that's great um, so, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? I know we were just talking your your coaching a little, but maybe yeah. a little bit about your basketball background.
1: Yeah, so uh, I grew up in a basketball family. Um, my mom was my assistant coach for many years. My dad coached my brother, and so all of us kind of grew up within that. Um, and so I played locally in in Halifax. I played on our Canada Games team for Nova Scotia in two thousand and five, and uh, won a bronze medal at the Canada Games that year, which was really awesome. Sorry, I'm just closing a couple emailers, emails that were popping up. We'll yeah. get rid of those. Um, and then uh, ultimately was recruited to uh, a number of universities and chose to go play at Lakehead and Thunderbakes. So I thought, why not uh, enjoy the frigid temperatures out there? So went there, played for five years, and uh, came back and really got into coaching um started my you know coaching my first team when i moved back it was a u10 boys basketball team which was a, a wild ride you know open up the doors and off they go um and then uh, had the opportunity to coach with len harvey on a canada games team in 2013 uh was the head coach of the canada games team in 2017 and in and around there coached at um Two high schools, so Sir John A. and Halifax Grammar School, while working and, and coaching at, well, not working, coaching at St. Mary's with their women's team for the last eight years. And then uh, took on the technical director job in um, 2016, I think it was. Yeah, mm-hmm. February 2016, and, you know, been doing that ever since.
0: Right. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite the basketball resume. Keeps um... me busy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, So what goes into the job as a technical director for Basketball Nova Scotia?
1: Yeah, lots. Um, I think, uh, you know, trying to articulate that to many people is quite challenging. You know, it's everything from um, coach education from a grassroots level all the way up to high performance. So that's everything from the National Coach Certification Program to just general professional development. To working with high performance athletes. So, through this program called Ignite, um, you know, working on provincial championships and the rules around provincial championships, um, you know, provincial team selection, all that good stuff. So, Mm kind of you name it, and we do it and try to get involved in in some way, shape, or form.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great. So, I was actually reading a little bit um, about your days at Lakehead. And mm-hmm. I found that you were the all-time leading scorer with 1,341 points and a yep. three-time all-star. Yeah. Um, what would you say was your biggest, um, your most skilled set of basketball? Would would it be scoring, do you think? Uh,
1: probably, but I actually really loved passing. Like, mm-hmm. I loved assists. So um, I was always proud of my assist-to-turnover ratio, and I think I'm somewhere high in terms of number of assists over my career mm-hmm. um but because my i was fairly good at passing it freed me up quite a bit uh for some open looks because you know people would would uh, try to close off passing lanes so it was always a little bit of you know give up the ball quite a bit which is going to create some open opportunities for me but Yeah, I I, I'd say scoring, but I I had to be crafty. I grew up with uh, my brother who's about six foot five. So, you know, he's blocking my shots and all that good stuff. And I'm only five, three. So the creativity around the rim and needing to shoot, you know, pretty long distance, even behind the three because of how long someone's reaches. So I I had lots of practice growing up.
0: Mm -hmm. Wow. (laughs) And you said there it was when you uh, you'd come back home to Halifax and there wouldn't be any competitive leagues to play in and that's when you started thinking about this basketball league
1: uh yes and no like i mean i've i've graduated about 10 years ago so i hadn't really thought of it in terms of me actually putting it into a structure myself Mm -hmm. but i always knew when i you know when i'd come back in the summer that i didn't have a place to play unless i was playing pickup basketball or i called some of my friends and said you know the uh, Red Rock and PEI, or Summerfest in New Brunswick, or the Eastland Classic in Nova Scotia—they have an open division. I need eight players. Like, who wants to go and play in it? So, um, you know, there was there was still competitive basketball in in that uh, context, but I think just having something where it's you know it's going to be in you know an eight-week window, you're going to play against other franchises, and we're going to put together a championship at the end of it. I think for me, that's like. Cool. Like that competitive part of me is like, all right, like I would have loved to have been, you know, registered, signed up, playing on a team, playing mm-hmm. for a championship at the end. Like, yes, please. Right. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so when did you start putting this into motion?
1: Yeah, so... Uh, Brad James was really the driver of this so he was the president of basketball New Brunswick for several years I think he just um, stepped out of his role probably in March I think still maintains a really great relationship with basketball in New Brunswick so he's you know. Talking to talking to Basketball in New Brunswick and reached out to me that this would have been in June of 2021, but I think or 2020. Mm-hmm. I think he was already looking into it even prior to that. So we chatted a bit back then, and I said, "Yeah, it sounds interesting. Like, let me know how I can help." And he circled back in the fall and said, "You know, I've talked to Mike McKay. I've talked to um, you know Lisa Tomitis, I've, t- I've talked to all these people across the country, and the biggest thing is there's no." women's professional league so this isn't a professional league so you know we didn't go to that extreme and trying to figure out you know contracts and and paying athletes it's amateur mm-hmm. and uh so when he came back to me in the fall and you know gave me all the information that he'd done in terms of leg work I kind of like raised my hand and said you know I can volunteer my time just you know understand I, I work a full-time job and I'll do what I can so yeah he was the visionary behind it and, and once I who we get spoken to it was yeah i want to i want to help let me let me do it and hopefully we see something great uh hit the court in 2022
0: hmm. great and yeah i i did want to bring up that from my research at least there were no other um uh women leagues across mm-hmm. canada yeah. so this is a chance for you to really do it your way mm-hmm. without any other competition or influence mm-hmm. so i wanted to ask about you know how you go about the first season to make it as successful as possible
1: that's a really great question there's a little bit of like i wish there was some framework that we mm-hmm. could go off of um because you know you can just take that and kind of tweak it to to what fits your own needs but obviously like you mentioned that's that that doesn't exist so um for us it really is about getting it right which is why for me when he said 2022 I was like okay like if we're all volunteering that gives us a full year to really work through some different things you know how do we build rosters how do we make sure the right athletes are, are on rosters it gives franchises slash teams a chance to fundraise so that you know the athletes are in a in a club position in which they aren't getting paid but they don't have to pay you know $500 to, to play in it we, we, do, we know that they're university athletes and you know, I've been in university myself. I probably wouldn't hand over $500 in, to play and travel. So, um, I think you know, knowing that we have a year to work with, and knowing the people that are involved and the people that have raised their hand to to offer some insight and some guidance, um, that will give us a a, a pretty good um, framework to work around when it comes to getting something up on the court and you know, it's not gonna be perfect. I know by the time we get to 2022, we're probably gonna be like, why didn't we think of this? Or you know what, I wish we had done this. We thought about it way back and, and we didn't go through with it. So um, the hope is that, you know, people understand this is new to us. Uh, it's something that we're trying to explore and it's gonna be probably a little bit rocky as we go. But if we can all commit to, you know, at least give us two years where we can say, here was the first one, liked this, hated this, needed to be a longer season, need to be shorter season, then we change it for the following year. And I think that will give us a pretty good understanding of is this something that could really, you know, maintain over time or was it a great idea that just, you know, we we uh, didn't get the, you know, the right, not necessarily the right people, but maybe we just didn't have the right audience and there was enough interest, but I don't anticipate that. I think it'll be something that uh, will withstand for quite a few years.
0: Mm-hmm. And when speaking of the right people, um, recently you had hired Leslie States, um, of the, uh, as for the vice commissioner role, and you said that she was the first person that you thought of when it came to this job. Can you just, uh, expand a little more on that?
1: Yeah, for sure. So I've, I've known Leslie through the basketball rankings of Nova Scotia, since I was, really little, like real young. Um, I played at the community Y, which is where she runs um, her club, the Maritime Elite Girls Academy. She runs it out of there. And so I never played for her. Uh, We've actually never really worked together in a sense, but um, we're in a a mentorship program together and and we got paired up to work together. And so, you know, getting to know her, I know what she's done as a volunteer because that's what, that's what her role is. So as a volunteer, um really pulling stuff together in terms of fundraising she's put together tournaments she's put together um you know league structures on her own as well and and she has a completely different network than i do um it made sense to me instead of you know the comfortable thing for, for me would have been you know let me just pick someone that i know who's gonna say like yeah you know that sounds great and we all have the same contacts where you know, Leslie and I have gone back and forth with um, you know different discussions around what I think, what she thinks, and then it's okay. Who do we know in our circles that can come back and and help us out? So, you know, I think for me it was the time that she's invested into girls basketball in the province for the last several years, but especially the last about fifteen with her with her own club, and then knowing that she has a, a different circle of people than I do, so it just makes our reach that much bigger.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I wanted to ask about, uh, you see in the States, you see the uh, NBA and the WNBA, Mm -hmm. uh, they are strong partnership working together. Mm -hmm. Uh, do you think there's a chance that you and the NBL of Canada, Mm -hmm. the president Mark Lever could potentially work together? Do you see that as a possibility?
1: Yeah. I don't, I don't see why not. I mean, obviously the difference is professional, amateur so there's that difference um but it doesn't mean that um that we can't have conversations right and is there a way that you know can we can we host a, a double header you know like they do with the aus now they have the women's game the men's games back to back now at the at the scotia bank center so um yeah there's there's certainly no no harm in that i know that um that brad has talked to uh, mike morialis out of the cebl Um, and Mm -hmm. and talk to him about, you know, how do you run a league? How do you get it up and going? You know, again, it's different professional versus amateur. So funding would would look different. Um, But I think in order to make something like this get off the ground, you know, you have to rely on people that are already doing it. You have to rely on um, uh, people that have seen success, people that have seen failure as well, because, you know, that's the only way that we learn. So um, I certainly would not say, you know, you know, we're not talking to anybody it's anyone that we can get a hold of that's Mm -hmm. willing to offer some advice then then absolutely and you know knowing that the maritimes is a huge basketball community you know when U sport isn't here when U sport final eight for the men's isn't here everyone's like what like everyone comes to town at the scotia bank center and we're all just we're we're ready to watch it right so yeah i think there's certainly you know uh not necessarily a partnerships but you know can we do double headers can we you know have some branding or messaging at your games absolutely
0: mm-hmm. so. absolutely yeah um so yeah and i also want to start to talk about um not only partnering but mm-hmm. uh you know marketing the league
1: mm-hmm. yeah so uh so brad ha- actually has a, a background in public relations which is great he does all the the writing and everything and then uh maria Carroll is behind the scenes on our social media so um she just finished studying and playing at the mount she might be playing in the league let's let's hope that she does um but i think you know i have to give credit to everyone who's reached out saying that they wanted to talk to us and and share some information that is a big help you know we've had some different calls from um you know different people that we know in our circles that have said you know we want to do the play-by-player you know how can we live stream it how can we help and so I think a lot of it will be word of mouth right now um and then starting to build those contacts up when it comes to um that marketing and promotion piece so i'm sure we'll be in touch with like the aus and and cc and ccaa or U Sport and so many different abbreviations and stuff <laughs> probably be in touch with them to say you know this year coming can we make sure that we're getting something in place when you do your live streaming where you talk a little bit about the league and you know, where to register if you're interested and kind of what it's all about. So hopefully there can be a little bit of a partnership with the AUS and and uh, ACAA because it's it's not a conflict. It's just enhancing the performance of their players.
0: Mm-hmm. And how do you draw players in to register? Uh, you had mentioned it might be pricey, uh, some of yeah. these players just coming out of university, yeah. families to look after yeah. possibly. Uh, yeah. How do you persuade them or not persuade them, but... Yeah, you know, draw them into the league.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, when, when Brad had t- spoken to all the franchises, there was the, you know, we have to understand that we do have the university athletes. We could have former athletes that have families now. So we need to be flexible in how these rosters are built. Um, so franchises are, are responsible for, you know, can they find some some fundraising dollars to help offset the cost? Like I said, Um is there a way that, you know, we're looking right now of having part-time and full-time athletes? So, you know, you could have an athlete that says, you know, I'd love to play on a team, but I work and I can only play when we're playing within, you know, our, our own province. I can't do the trips to New Brunswick. So how do we figure out a way to say, okay, you know what, you know, if you can't play, we don't want to say, you know, if you're you're either in it or you're not, it's how can we be flexible, especially in, in this first season to say, you know, we can take 15 players on a roster and we'll, or I don't know, 20 players on a roster and five will be part-time or five could be even a pool of athletes where, you know, they're connected to a certain franchise that says, you know, I I'm on the road. We're heading to New Brunswick. I'm down to 10 players because everyone else is working. Mm -hmm. I got a pool of five that I can pull from that, that we can fill out the roster. So yeah, there'll be a lot of flexibility and we have um, Jasmine parent who I just was talking to last week. Played at, uh played at Acadia, won an AUS championship there, and um, her and I battled it out all the way through our careers, and she's a, a mom of three, and she said, you know, I want to play, but I also want to help, and so we actually just brought her on to be a bit of um, an athlete liaison, so for me, it's, we as kind of a volunteer board, we don't know what the athletes want, So Mm -hmm. let's get someone who's going to have those conversations and, and kind of like, you know, the NBA and the WNBA have the players association. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Jasmine have those conversations and, you know, you're going to get information around, you know, we don't want to travel that much, or, you know, we want to play the Nova Scotia team as teams as many times as possible, or, you know, we want the championship to be. So just getting that information from them, I think gives them a little bit of like, okay, this, this league is, built for us and they're doing everything they can to accommodate the needs, especially, especially in the first year. I think if we were so rigid to say 12 players full time, like you're either in it or you're not, it just wouldn't, it wouldn't fly.
0: Mm -hmm. And if you were a player, how would you want, you know, maybe the travel to be Mm -hmm. like, would you want to stay in Halifax more of the time and against the Nova Scotia teams?
1: Um, I mean it would it would certainly depend you know obviously if I'm working um, I'm probably going to say I want to stay in Nova Scotia as much as possible because I never want to miss a game Mm -hmm. Um, but the competitive person in me says I want to play against the teams that are in New Brunswick and and, you know fingers crossed we want to get one on PEI as well Mm -hmm. Um, but we're looking at can we do you know the Nova Scotia games when Nova Scotia is playing Nova Scotia teams can we play on weeknights same thing in New Brunswick and then figured a way to do that like interlock game so maybe it's a you know friday saturday to get those games in against either nova scotia or new brunswick so we're hoping to really limit the amount of times that we're saying all right nova scotia you know you're off to new brunswick again or vice versa so um that'll probably be a a pretty heavy topic of conversation where it's like i can commit so long as it's only you know two weekends that i have to go to new brunswick i can't go every every weekend or you know if i'm from new brunswick i can't drive to nova scotia every other weekend it's just not feasible
0: Mm -hmm. what about uh you know so you want 10 to 14 games is the thought right now um do you think playing two games in one day would be too much for Mm -hmm. the players or is that Mm -hmm. a thought at all you know
1: yeah um, that, that's interesting so usually when we see these players play and I was one of them I played in the open division in the Eastland Classic here that we would always host with basketball in Nova Scotia and I'd play with you know some university players and anytime there was two games on a day in one day like that was that was some heavy lifting and I don't think mm-hmm. we realize it when we're when we're in our prime, right? As as youth, we play in tournaments, you'd play like a game at nine, a game at 12, and a game at six and mm-hmm. be like, yeah, it's totally fine. Um, but one of the big things for us is um, making sure that we are, you know, again, it's the amateur league, but we want it to be professional in a sense that we know who we're working with. We know the caliber of athletes that we're working with. So playing two games on a day, it might be, it might be a bit much, especially anyone that needs, you know, uh, physiotherapy, ankles taped, you know, all that good stuff. And so we're working on actually getting some physiotherapists and some athletic trainers in place. Cause again, you know, we're looking at these athletes saying come and play in this league. So we need to to do our due diligence and and take care of them. So um, yeah, lots of different things in place, but I think two games on a day might be a bit too much. We'll Mm -hmm. see. You know, you never know the players might come back and say, yeah, I want to play the two games so I can just get back home.
0: Right. (laughs) And uh, you'd mentioned earlier, and I did want to bring this up—the uh, thought of a PEI team. Mm-hmm. Uh, what have talks been like so far? Because I know I think I read that they were interested.
1: Yeah. So Brad had actually reached out to to uh, a few people on PEI, um, both at Holland College and UPEI. But at the same time, like I think a lot of people might be like, "What is this league? Like, how is this going to work? Like, I'm not sure I'm ready to." completely invest when we know that these coaches have um, other priorities. We know that they're in the middle of a pandemic trying to, you know, build their teams, recruit, take care of the athletes that are already on their teams that haven't played this year. So, you know, I think we're just going to keep revisiting. We know the caliber of athletes that are on PEI, the, the best player in the country plays for UPEI, and they want a bronze medal at nationals. So it's certainly not a, you know, go away PEI. That's, that's not the case. You know, I, I, I love PEI. I've had a couple of athletes that I had the privilege coaching are, are playing for UPEI now, and so for me, if PEI can get in it, like I'm all for it. And I think some folks from Newfoundland have reached out and asked, but again, okay. just working on what does the cost look like in terms of in terms of competing there. So it's certainly not a we don't want Newfoundland. We want we want we want to show that these rosters that everyone has a spot um, for the AUS and CCA players.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah, just the thought of that, you know, teams in Newfoundland, the thought mm-hmm. of maybe four divisions, mm-hmm. each province. Um, yeah. There's a lot of possibility, I think. Um, yeah.
1: I mean, it might look like, you know, maybe it's Newfoundland needs two teams. Nova Scotia has three, New Brunswick has three and PEI has two or something. And, you like you said, maybe it's your own conferences and you play within there. And then, you know, every three weekends, everyone comes together and you play in a tournament, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, there's lots of ways that it can go, which is one of the reasons that it, that's the exciting piece of, you know, it hasn't been done before. So we can just mold it and shift it and and do what we need to do to, to make sure that we're as inclusive as possible for everybody.
0: Mm-hmm. Great. Um, I want to talk about the platform a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had mentioned... That you want to uh be strong advocate for you know promoting black lives matter yeah. uh lgbtq plus and uh yeah. violence against women equality mm-hmm. um how do you plan to push those messages
1: yeah so tracy jones grant um so her brother is augie jones who coached at saint of x uh and I believe her father or grandfather is Rocky Jones. So big family background with you know advocacy uh, for equality. So she's actually involved with us. She was, again, Leslie States having that connection that I didn't have, and she said, I know the person. So Tracy actually just put together a mission statement for us that will hopefully be up on our website um, in the coming days and then it'll be putting together a small working committee so you know making sure that we're we're doing land acknowledgements um before all of our games you know just like we play oh canada can we put this in place as well um just recognizing where we are participating in this league um you know can we put something that every game is dedicated to a certain organization you know maybe it's dedicated to the black lives matter movement maybe it's dedicated to um a safe house for for women and children so um just using our platform to for when you know women and girls and people in general come and watch or, or live stream it they see that is constantly kind of right there in, in their presence and and draw attention to it you know maybe we're bringing in different guest speakers at halftime to talk about you know what, do, what does it mean um, to be an Indigenous person here in in Nova Scotia and on the East Coast? And you know, here are some different organizations, and here's what they do. So just providing a space for that education piece, because um, to me, we just the the athletes that are going to play in this league are, are so diverse, and the hope is that everyone feels like when they walk into the gym or when they walk into their practice, or if something happens um, where they feel like that, you know, they were. Treated poorly or whatever it may be, that they have the support of of us um, in the in the volunteer board seat to say, okay, like how can we help you? Like here are some resources that we can connect you with to make sure that you know it's not just about you as the basketball player, which is going to draw the fans in. It's about you as the person, so so we'll make sure that we're supporting you there. And Jasmine's going to do some great work connecting with um, again with the athletes. And maybe we bring in the athletes from different backgrounds and different religions and different, you know, whatever it may be and do interviews to, you know, tell us a bit about who you are. Because everyone looks at you and says, it was a thing for me, like Tasia's the, the basketball player. And it's like, well, I actually like photography and like, mm-hmm. you know, I have a dog here and I'm really close with my family. So can we do things where, you know, we talk about what it's like to be that that person, to be the athlete and and the human?
0: Right and it's so i find it so important for athletes to be able to uh represent that because we saw uh you know lebron james on yeah. fox news was told to uh shut up and dribble right yeah. Uh, yeah how important is it for athletes to not only be able to uh let let how they're feeling you know um mm-hmm. be able to be taken seriously because it seems in in the world um, they're not quite taken as seriously because they're just athletes.
1: Yeah. And I think that's pretty common across almost every sport, right? You look mm-hmm. at like hockey jocks and football jocks, like that's the, you know, and everyone looks at you when you're walking through high schools and universities and think that, you know, you're all just taking, you know, the, the easy courses and the profs just let you do whatever. And, mm-hmm. and that's not the case. Like you look at, all of the athletes you know hayley wickenizer is a doctor now and she was an olympic level athlete with women's hockey like that's ridiculous how could you possibly go from like you know what i've, I've done this set in the level let me go become a doctor um so for me it's really important at recognizing that these athletes they're not just going to practice and doing their training and then traveling going playing games like if you look at the academic all canadians that are recognized across the board in every sport and you look at um, the voices that they've had just this past year. It's it's impressive. And for me, that was like, okay, how do we make sure that you feel as though when you go back to playing your sport, that your voice is still being heard? Because we can't just listen to you now and then you go back to playing your sport, and then you know we're you know we see hazing, we see you know derogatory comments being yelled from the stands. Like, how do we ensure that? Okay, when you go back to being the athlete that everyone admires and loves and all that good stuff that you're still feeling like, no, no, like I'm still I'm still me and I want to be protected and I want to be heard and I want my voice to be valued all the time, even when I got my my team jersey on.
0: Mm -hmm. And would you say that was maybe um, a bigger issue when you were in university, because I know. As the decade went on, it became more and more. I, I would say athletes became more. They would represent their voice more. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I think they're they're more empowered now. Uh, social media plays a huge role. I think like Facebook was a thing in my like second year of universities. So there was no Twitter, there was no Instagram, Snapchat. Like, right. I think I got an iPhone for the first time there. I was like, this is amazing. Like you can touch the screen and do these crazy <laughs> things. Um, so yeah, I think now there's, there's some power in that. Um, you know, when I was playing, I had people make fun of like my, my complexion. I had like people make fun of you because you're a female playing basketball, um, you know, sometimes jerseys didn't fit because there was often usually just a men's cut. And you're like, Oh, I'm rolling my Jersey, like under my sports bra, which just looks ridiculous. And my shorts are too big. And, and so I think, um, yeah, like there's a lot of confidence in, in our athletes now. And I think that also stems from seeing, like you said, the LeBron James. So you got the NBA and the WNBA and, you know, you got uh, Megan Rapinoe in in soccer, who's Mm -hmm. just a huge advocate for it for everybody and i think when you see that especially in a time where we can't go anywhere right we're all watching tv we're all on social media and it's right there in our faces and i think that gives people a little bit of like okay if they can say something then i can say something in my own community and and you know maybe it doesn't make a monumental impact for everybody but if it just helps one person then it helps
0: mm-hmm. and as a starting as a smaller platform Mm-hmm. Um do you think it'll be difficult to spread these messages maybe or would it be better to uh just focus start with the maritimes? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think starting starting with the maritimes um I mean that's that's the whole goal right at the in the maritimes um the athletes can't play with their university team or their coaches through the summer months where um, I believe almost every other conference can do that. So, you know, you could be playing out in BC and traveling and go play with your entire university team and go and play in games and you can't do that out here. Um, So I think for me, focusing on the Maritimes, which is, you know, sometimes it's overlooked and and not valued as much. Um, I think that's the most important part. Cause I think if we get, too big that will lose sight of the people that we initially intended for this league to target, which are, you know, the women that are from the Maritimes or or playing in the Maritimes that uh, that we're here to support.
0: Mm -hmm. You had mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, you may have been made fun of for Mm -hmm. being a woman and playing basketball. I did want to ask you about, you know, you may see highlights posted on Instagram of the WNBA and if you mm-hmm. scroll through the comments
1: getting back in the kitchen yeah <laughs> yeah
0: how do you go about that
1: like managing that yeah uh I mean I it sounds terrible but I feel like you just get so used to it that you know you read it and, and move on Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's right. I think there's a a time and a place where you do need to stand up for yourself and say like, this isn't okay. Like you would never say that to my face. You would never walk up to me and tell me to go back in the kitchen. And if you did, like I would probably be calling my friends and and bring some people around me because that would just be outrageous, Mm -hmm. right? So there's this, the keyboard warrior, right? Like I can say whatever I want and you know, no one's really going to say anything back. But um, I think... For me, it's um, just having that strength and making sure that our league, you know, no matter what, I mean, people are going to challenge it. Even people that believe in women's basketball are going to say, well, it's an amateur league, no one's getting paid. So why would anyone want to participate? Like, I get it. Like, and it, you know, you, you put things like this together and you're not always going to have a hundred percent of people saying, what a great idea. This is going to be flawless. Right. So um, I think just knowing a time and a place around, um, around those conversations. But for me, I'm I'm not someone that likes conflict. I don't like to combat people. Um, You know, I don't want people looking at our social media account and saying, really, like this account's going after, you know, anyone who has anything negative to say. There's always gonna be naysayers. There's always gonna be um, people that aren't feeling what's, what's happened in the league, but that is, you know, that's how they feel, that's their responsibility to educate themselves. And for some reason, they felt the need to to type something in a chat box or a comment when, you know, you can just scroll past. So, you know, that's, that's their, their opinion and their feeling. And we just need to move forward.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, basketball has become increasingly popular across Canada.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I think it's always been popular in the Maritimes from what I've seen when I started playing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the Raptors were a huge part of that. Yeah, Do you think this league has the same impact or um, sorry, the same potential that the Raptors did with uh, women across the Maritimes?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Raptors, I feel like every person instantly became a Raptors fan. Like when they're in the final, it was like all of a sudden I had like Raptors gear on. I was like, I like the Raptors, but I'm like invested in what they're right. doing, right? So, yeah, I think uh, I think there's potential. Again, it's just creating that space where, you know, the future generation of basketball players right now, they think that women's basketball is, you know, AUS and ACAA. And if I want to, I can go overseas and play in Germany, but not a lot of people do that or in Europe. Not a lot of athletes do that. So, you know, if you're creating a space where it's like, this is here for you too, then that can give someone a little bit more of like, okay, I I know that when I play, you know, my university or college career, whenever that might be, that I can actually still keep playing here in a really competitive, a really competitive space. And I think that's just something that was, lacking and it gives people a little bit more reason to want to you know excel in their sport so the hope is that there is certainly a a, an intake or an upkick of of girls playing basketball and again that's really why that target audience will be the the youth like how do we get them involved is it you know certain ticket packages is it free entry for you know youth under the age of 15 is it you know discounted prices i don't know or like a signing booth where you can go and talk to your favorite player so just creating that community atmosphere um will be really really important
0: all right um i think that's all i had to ask today uh was there anything that maybe i didn't bring up that you wanted to uh talk about
1: no that was that was great i i always like to say at the end of it like it's not just me the there's been so many volunteers between both provinces that have that have raised their hand. Um, So just acknowledging like it's totally volunteer driven and the volunteers that are on board um, between both provinces are, they've been fantastic. And I'm really excited for the, you know, announcements to to keep popping up. So yeah, Mm -hmm. big credit to all of them. Great. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you very much for taking time out.
1: That was great. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
0: Right. Thank you everyone for listening. If you'd like to send tips, feedback, ideas, whatever it may be, you can email me at billycole8 at outlook.com or find my Instagram at billycole underscore. Best of luck everyone and we'll see you next time.